Hello, and welcome to Weed and Grub. What up, Mary Jane? How's it going, Mike? Uh, incredible. Eating donuts, taking sips. Here with two wonderful guests. Thank you for coming. Can you please introduce yourself so everyone knows your names and voices? Uh, I'm Nishant Reddy. And I'm Simone Saroff. Ooh la la. Come and on. It's a Golden State and Satya. Uh, Satya Capital. Capital. And as well as I just found out about your distribution platform. Vantage, Vantage Point. Vantage yes. Point. So a Golden State, Satya Capital, and Vantage Point are sort of like a, tr- a triumvirate. It's, it's our way of approaching the, the market from a, from a holistic perspective and being able to see everything that's going on. Cool. Well, we met you at the incredible dinner where you launched a Golden State, which was so special. Can we talk about family style as a choice? For the, for the for plating the of the food? Yeah. Like, I think when we were sitting there, the first thing that stuck out to us was the choice of doing a family style dinner is intentional. Right. Yeah, I think we want to breed a culture around a Golden State that is, you know, fun. It's casual. It's inclusive. You know, we took a, you know, I want to say a room, but a beachfront backyard with thirty strangers for all intents and purposes, and had everyone connect over cannabis. Right. Um, fortunately, it was our cannabis. But I think, you know, by the end of the night, we created 30 new friends that had a really great time and got to experience a Golden State and got to interact with us. And I feel like I made 30 new friends that night. And I think that is what we're trying to create. Can you talk a little bit about the cannabis itself? So a Golden State is, you know, a lot of the press about it has been about how sort of high end it is. And I'd just love to hear you guys talk about what that means to you, why why you launched it now and, and what's behind it. Yeah, so I think, you know, what's interesting is um, Simone and I have been partners for quite a few years now, but we came to cannabis from very different, you know, personal kind of journeys. Um, I myself have always been a passionate advocate and consumer myself. So for me, it was very much about creating products that I would want to use, that I would want to share, that I would want to be, you know, proud to be associated with. And, you know... When I got into the space six, six and a half years ago, I didn't really see that level of accountability. You know, whether it came from oils or genetics, cultivation practices. And so that was something that I always knew um, was important to me as a user and was important to me as a founder in a company. And my, my journey was uh, on the medicinal side. In 2014, my mom was diagnosed with cancer and as we were going through all of the aspects of her of her journey going through just learning about what she had to deal with learning all the different possible paths she could take it really took me along a path that took me led me into cannabis starting to see the medicinal impact that cannabis has not just on cancer patients but on kids dealing with epilepsy epilepsy and seizures start to realize that this was a plant that had a very powerful impact on many people's lives beyond the stigma, beyond the recreational use. And uh, fortuitously, Nishant and I became friends at a time when I was going through this process. And what he was passionate about in terms of the plant really resonated very well with me, made me think more and more about 
families out there that were ingesting this plant, how is it being produced? Is it being produced well? Is this something that I would give to my own mom? And that's where my passion and my, my, my thought process always comes back to. Was there a moment where she said, I'm not trying that? That's yeah. A, that's a, that is a drug, and I am not doing that. It wasn't about it being a drug. It was just more about inhaling. It was just something about that whole process of um, my sister's friend actually brought the flower to, to the house. I didn't actually have access to it. She rolled it for my mom, and my mom watching all of that was just sort of a funny experience. I was, we were in her bedroom, all laying on, 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 her, on her bed, and next thing I know, my mom's you know, smoking a joint. <laughs> and, and in all honesty, I think for me, it was more of like, what the heck's going on here? Mm-hmm. Um, and, but once you really got beyond that, it took two seconds, the light bulb went off, and, and you really realized, you know what, there's something beyond uh, what most people are, are, are thinking about. Mm-hmm. That's so cool. Uh, we have to know, is she... She's, uh, knock on wood, she's doing great. She's driving me crazy. She's, uh, she's back to her normal, normal, normal course of business. And she, lo- <laughs> and she loves using a golden state. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It seems so, that seems like your ethos behind everything, going to that dinner, having everything sort of family style, having it be so intimate, the hand rolling station where we were like learning about the cannabis, even down to how you've named the strains after, I think, John Muir's mm-hmm. writings. Snowstorm on Mount Shasta. Right, so it all seems like it's very carefully curated to be an intimate experience with the cannabis, even though I know it's probably the dream is that it would be a very large-scale operation. I think, you know, it's funny that you said that, right? I think we're people that are obsessed about quality, and I think, you know, you guys obviously know cannabis very well. It's an inverse relationship, right? You can only grow so big before you start start sacrificing the quality. And so for us, you know, we're focused on indoor, um, and number one is quality. That's what we want to be: craft, craft cultivators, artisan flower, 100% proprietary genetics. So there's a limit in how big a Golden State can become, right? Mm. You know, I'm sure we'd love to expand to new markets, and you know, introduce as many consumers, whether it be medicinal or recreational, to what we're doing. But in terms of sheer production numbers, we'll never be the biggest. And I don't think that was ever the goal. We don't have a desire to be luxury for luxury's sake. If that's the case, you can be as big as you want to be. It's just more about the packaging and the branding. Mm-hmm. But the way Nishant described it, you have to take painstaking uh, care to maintain the quality. And that ultimately limits you. Mm. You know, again, as a consumer myself, right? You know, nothing makes me prouder than interacting with other consumers, whether novice or you know connoisseur, and having them just realize like, whoa, there is this elevated experience. Like, whoa, like this plant is beautiful. I've never seen these colors. I've never smelled something like this. The structure, right? You know, you don't have to be an expert to go look at healthy produce and know what a healthy piece of fruit looks like, right? And cannabis is obviously no different than that. So to be able to let people have that experience and make their own opinions on cannabis and how they want to use it in their own lives. I think that's really what we're about. And I think that's really what drives us. And the flower can't lie. No, it's a, right? it's a plant. The flower can't lie, right? You, know, you can look at you know, a, 10 different buds and you know, it's pretty easy to tell what is the best, what is the healthiest, what smells the best, what has the most bold, robust color palette. You know, no different than if you go into cultivation, 
you can't mask what's really happening, right? Mm -hmm. If it smells funky in there, if there's stagnant water on the floors, if the plants look yellow and unhealthy and they're different heights and shooting all over the place, it's probably not, you know, the same as walking into our facility where, you know, you need that level of OCD and attention to detail from the very start in order to ensure that your end product, the flower, is at that level. How has the reception been? How, are, how have your f friends and people who love cannabis responded to the line? My friends are perpetually stoned. <laughs> <laughs> like the, the text message, it's always three dots because they're going to get to it eventually. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Got it. And, and for me, it's been, a, it's been a wide array. I have friends that are new to cannabis. I have friends that or I've been smokers for, for since junior high school, and unanimously, it, there is always a positive feedback. Uh, for the newer folk, it tends to be about the packaging at first. It tends to be about how pretty everything looks and how well packaged it is. For the more experienced, they, they're blown away. Uh, one comment that I took as a very, very big uh, compliment, and this goes to our, our cultivation team, he's a longtime smoker, and the first time he smoked it, he, uh, he smoked Night Sky. Said it was by far his favorite smoke of his life. Indica? Yeah. Mm -hmm. And uh, that, to me, was uh, a very, very nice compliment from a good friend. That's a great compliment. Now you're growing very special cannabis with snow melt water. Yeah. Um, the facilities are incredible. You know, we'd love to have you guys up there anytime you want. Yes, um, they're state of the art. Tonight, you know, probably. Tonight, <laughs> for sure. Cool. We brought sleeping bags. Yeah. Definitely. <laughs> um, no, they're state of the art. You know, we design everything in house um, down to the way the tables lay out, down to the space, the number of rooms, the ideal square footage that we believe allows us to maximize quality and just efficiencies. Um, you know, we use alternative energy. We use 100% hydroelectric power. Um, you know, for us, it, it was really about this is an opportunity to not just build a business, but to really, you know, do something great. And so using alternative energy, using unique properties such as snow melt water, um, all of this, I think, is intrinsically what makes us special. Um, and when you come to our facilities, I think that's what stands out. It is that attention to detail like you will never see water on the floor you will never see dirt everywhere unless we're transplanting but then it's rapidly cleaned up but the canopy is perfect green even height i mean it really it, it's beautiful to see and i think when again whether a novice or an expert walks in it's obvious how that translates into the flower that then hits the market are you playing music for the plants sometimes that's so nice. We do have uh, speakers in all the rooms. And uh, when I made a video for my dad, I, I had the Beatles, Here Comes the Sun, uh, playing in the background. <laughs> That's great. Oh, wow. I was semi-serious, but I'm so glad to hear that. <laughs> <laughs> Can you talk a little bit about the choice to grow indoor as opposed to outdoor in uh, California? Yeah. So, again, you know, our team, um, you know, we've been in the legacy market for over a decade right now. Um, had a reputation of being some of the best in the state, um, really excelled in indoor cultivation, had backgrounds in outdoor cultivation as well as greenhouse cultivation. So we've done it all as a team. But in this venture, our focus was quality. 
And so for us, that meant growing indoor where we can control as many of the variables and really focus on the genetics, the nutrients, the cultivation style, and then putting out what we would consider to be, you know, that artisanal small batch, really, really high end flour. And then when it came to the design, I mean, Mike and I were looking at uh, your logo Mm -hmm. and just the whole thing is really incredible and and sort of... um, like a designer's dream, I think, like very simple and iconic, and also the pyramid, like mm-hmm. everything about it is really eye-catching. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, so we, so, you know, I've been in the recreational cannabis market from, you know, California to Oregon and developing farms there to then coming back to California. So I've kind of seen the trends and seen what's out there and stuff like that. And then, you know, luckily, Rob, our other co-founder, and Simone shared that passion in terms of what we wanted to create, right, and where we wanted this brand to live. And so, you know, we wanted to pay respect to our legacy cannabis roots and all the pioneers that, you know, really helped the industry get to where it is today, right? You know, without them, we wouldn't have legal cannabis, right? Um, but at the same time, create an environment that was welcoming to all the new consumers, right? And so we wanted a brand that lived somewhere in between. And so for us, a golden state not only, you know, pays respect to the fact that we are a legacy California cannabis company, but we're really talking about is that state of mind, right? We all, whether it's medically or for recreationally, we're using cannabis for some type of enlightenment, right? Some type of enriched experience. And that is a golden state. It's relative to you, to me, to Simone. But we all can share in, you know, what each of our golden states are. Man, I love that so much. And and I think the 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 brand itself, the look and the feel, resonates with people because it's genuine. It was it comes from a genuine place of really spending a lot of time to focus on where this is all coming from, where Rob comes from, where the team is building our flower. This is all very genuine and very thought through. So, uh, you know, I think the first thing in design is if you're staying true to yourself, staying true to your message, it will resonate with people. And I think that's that's part of the beauty of what was created. Yeah. And I think, I mean, you know, just the last, if you think about the brand, right, if you look at it, what it really is, is it's Mount Shasta, that triangle that you see in over and over and over in all of our packaging and all of our themes, that's Mount Shasta. We would be nothing without Mount Shasta, right? That snow melt, that water, that's the fundamental building block of our plants. And if you look at that icon, you see, you know, a river kind of flowing down. That is that S. You see the sun setting over it. And all of that is, you know, that is where we grow. And that is what the icon is. Um, And, you know, even like you said, the naming, John Muir, it's just, again, it's paying respect to where, we, where we're from, where our roots are from. And I think, as Simone said, elevating the industry and the brand a little bit by just, you know, bringing outside influences, you know, great writers, literature. And it seems to me that, you know, while paying attention to the history of your, uh, you know, experience in the cannabis industry and the legacy brand, you really have an eye on the future because I know you're both very involved in cannabis policy and passionate about politics. Can you talk a little bit about what your plans are? Sure. So, for example, we've worked very closely with uh, Senator Cory Booker. Um, you know, uh, the senator is currently running for president. He introduced the Marijuana Policy Act. Um, so we've written several papers for him, his administration, educating them and informing them about legalization, 
you know, how cannabis works, how do the operations work, the enterprises, how licensing should work. We've worked in terms of uh, policymakers in New Jersey, you know, just letting them know, like, if you're going to do a social equity licensing program, what are the pitfalls of it, right? Um, how many licenses can you issue? How does the elasticity of a cannabis market work? You know, we've seen some states that have been so focused on tax dollars that they over-license, and now you create a soft market, way too many licenses, way too many producers, way too many shops, and then you what ends up happening is you're actually hurting the industry and having people go out of business. Like right? in Oregon, like, that kind of thing? Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that's yeah, yeah. Exa- that's exactly what I was thinking without Right, yeah. there's a glut of farmers. Yeah, which is why I exited Oregon early, because okay. I saw that, and I knew for that population that wasn't a sustainable model, right? So for this industry to be successful as a nation, we have to kind of learn and figure out, okay, how do we, how do we do this successfully? How do we create legalization at a state-by-state level so that it's successful and so that it's diverse, right? Right, as, as entrepreneurs and leaders in the industry as well as at the, at like just at the retail and distribution mm-hmm. level, right? That's great. It's, it's important to, to, to keep focus of it. Ultimately, what you want is a strong industry. Mm-hmm. When you look at what California has established, it's sort of uh, if you have the ability to apply for a license, you can apply for a license. There's no necessarily no cap. That creates a certain supply and demand dynamic that uh, is more akin to an open market, if you will. Then you've got other mostly East Coast states that limit the number of licenses. That creates more of a cartel environment. And so are you replacing one cartel environment for a different cartel environment? Where is, where is the happy medium where you can get an open market but still produce quality product and have a strong industry? What are your backgrounds? Why don't you start? Um, so my background actually was investment banking and private equity. Um, and, uh, you know, worked on Wall Street for almost a decade. Um, you know, I got into cannabis because I was never really a big drinker. And so, you know, working those crazy 100-hour work weeks, cannabis was something that really was a, a point of equilibrium for me, right? And someone who's very into health and wellness, it allowed me to work really hard, recharge, have fun, do all those stuff. And everyone around me was just kind of burning it on both ends and just getting wasted. And that didn't really vibe with my lifestyle. And then that really, as I got older, allowed me to see like, whoa, there's a lot of potential here. Like, there's a lot of potential to incorporate this into my professional and personal lifestyle. And so, you know, that started the journey in terms of like what I wanted to start kind of creating and being involved in. Mm-hmm. At that time, did you see federal legalization as like you're, you're both you're it's almost like you're you're living in, a, in the future mm-hmm. and you're also looking to the past to make sure you're making smart choices. So at that y- time, did yeah. you see federal legalization as coming to. Yeah. It, you know, I took a big risk early on. Right. I, I quit. I quit my pretty you know, um, cush job and I, I rolled cush. it, you know, hey. 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 <laughs> you quit cush well for done. cush. Okay. Yeah. Well done. Been a slam dunk. Um, <laughs> that was almost a layup. <laughs> but, um, yeah, so I pretty much, uh, quit, took everything that I had learned in terms of building businesses and all of those things and took all the capital that I had saved and rolled it into, moving to the west coast and starting cannabis companies and uh you know at that point it wasn't recreational legal colorado was just starting to talk about legalization um i really believed in it i figured it would happen at some point and then i was going to jump in head first um and i got involved 
in the early days by advising uh, medical dispensary groups here in California. So when they were still fully nonprofit, coming in and advising them as a interim COO, iBanker, whatever you will, on how they can grow their businesses, right? You know, how much money can they take out of the businesses being a 5013C? Should they be investing in distro? Should they be building another grow? Should they be opening another storefront? That really allowed me to see the inner workings of these medical dispensaries and then understand the retail business. And from that, I had a background in real estate development, which led me to then go develop cultivations in Oregon combine those two to then come back to California and then found Satya Capital with Simone, which would then be, as he said, a holistic environment where we now build vertically integrated cannabis companies from the ground up. Wow, everything leads to this. It really does. Yeah. It really does. And for me, my background similarly was more of a Wall Street finance background, mm -hmm. predominantly in the hedge fund space, uh, where I helped uh, uh, was CFO, co-CFO, COO of a, of a $600 million opportunity fund based out of uh, Stanford, Connecticut. And one of the things that I've always felt about the hedge fund space relative to finance was that it was an entrepreneurial endeavor. You weren't necessarily behind some big conglomerate, some big bank. It was something that you, maybe a few others, had an idea. You shared that idea with a bunch of investors, and they bought into it, and then you effectuated it very entrepreneurial and what we're doing today is very entrepreneurial as you're solving the rubik's cube for this whole venture and putting the pieces together are you what are those conversations looking like between both of you to like make decisions that feel like they fit and they're correct are you coming at it from like how are you approaching that we're yeah. we're like it's great. We're literally attached at the hip. Yeah. We, yeah. <laughs> we talk for probably 20 hours a day, seven days a week, whiteboarding. When we're not talking about cannabis, we're talking about our wives, <laughs> baby, whatever. I mean, we literally, it's just nonstop brainstorming and problem solving. And, you know, sometimes I'm having a bad day and, you know, it's, it's cannabis is rough. It's, you know, it's, it's like Simone said, it's an entrepreneurial venture but you know, you're pioneering an industry that is brand new and we're not really always supported, right? We don't necessarily have all the resources and agencies behind us to make this easy. And so it's, it's a very much an up and down, emotionally volatile experience. And at the crux of it, you're just constantly problem solving. So, you know, I think for us, we're just, a, I, I find that we're just a very good collaborative team and you know, we've become really close friends through that process definitely yeah um but yeah it, you really have to trust one another and i think uh that is the key ingredient mm -hmm. ultimately i may not always see it the way he sees it and vice versa but i do trust the process he took to get to that vision so if there is that trust and there is that belief that there has been thought and a process to get to where what you're saying you have to take it seriously you have to listen to it and for us whether it's a text message where whether it's a late night phone call spending time over the weekend whiteboarding whatever it might be there's always little tidbits that we start pulling out I don't necessarily think that we always have it right right off the bat but we maybe have a little part right here and then two days later we get to it and there's another piece and the next thing you know you've got this full picture and sometimes those things you thought were right, they just don't fit no more. And that's okay. You've just got to let them go. To do what we're doing today, 
successfully, and I think this goes for any entrepreneurial endeavor in, in general, but to do this, you have to be willing to be wrong. You have to truly take your ego out of the equation. Whatever successes you may have had in a previous life, they don't matter today. All that matters today is that you as a team can get to where you want to be. That's the only that's the only important thing. That sounds hard to take your ego out of it. Is that something that you've learned in other areas of your life that serves you? Uh, for me, I, I, I learned I learned it um, my first um, my fr the first job I took was with a hedge fund out of San Francisco and the team there and I'm learning this today. Um, I learned I relearned this every day. They're probably some of the smartest people I'd ever been around. And as a collective, there was no ego in that room. <clears throat> and I was naive at the time to know really what they represented as a whole. And as time has gone by and I've gone in the world, I've really become more and more aware with each passing day. But they taught me very early on in my career that you need to be an individual part of a team. And you as an individual does not matter. It's, oh. and, 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 and it stuck with me and it, stuck, it sticks with me to this day. How about you, Nishant? Um, you know, I think for me, it's, I, you know, I, I pursued this journey for something that was far greater than myself, right? And for me, cannabis has just had a very powerful, enjoyable, creative experience in my life. And so I think what we're doing is just, you know, it's just bigger than Simone or I, right? And so for me, I think, I think what grounds us is the fact that we share a similar moral compass. And I think that really, you know, resonates into what Simone was saying in terms of trust, right? We know that we're never going to stray away from that. And as long as we follow that, then we're doing it for everybody else, right? And, you know, it's for consumers, it's for patients, it's for, you know, one day federal legalization, it's for the generations ahead of us. It's just, it's an honor just to be a part of this, right? And there's so many cool people you meet. Like we met you guys just a few weeks ago. There's so many other cool cannabis founders, you know, like friends we've made in the industry. You know, it's just, it's a, it's a great space and it's a great time to be in it. And I think being in Southern California, you're in the epicenter of it, of yeah. like really cool, really smart, really amazing people. And mm -hmm. so I think that's contagious in itself. And to that point, you, you can't help but be humbled by some of the people that you do meet. Regardless of age or background, they're doing some incredible things. And for me to think that I'm always going to be the smartest guy in the room, it's kind of naive. So uh, you, really, you really do get humbled every day. And, uh, and it's, a fun thing to, it's a fun thing to experience. Huh. This sounds like a healthy way to be able to trust yourself and your decision making also. When you think of it as bigger than you, you are allowed to get out of your own way to like have an opinion and make a hard choice at the same time. Agreed. I always say that the more important things in life are not how much money you make in any given year. Everything that is important is on your tombstone. You were a good family member, a good uncle, cousin, friend, whatever those things are. Uh, those are the things that matter. Those are the things that you, maybe you want to have an ego about mm -hmm. um, in a sense. But the rest of it, you're just trying to do good. Well, dropping gems today. <laughs> <laughs> Damn. It almost feels, as we uh, come up on our time, it almost feels 
Uh, it's not inappropriate, but it feels weird to talk about money after talking about such emotionally driven like ventures. But at the end of the day, we'd be remiss not to ask about the price of the flower mm -hmm. and what money looks like in this company. So, you know, the price of the flower, we've been called luxury, you know, by a lot of different outlets. And I don't think that's a bad thing, but I think what it, it justifies an explanation, right? And I think, again, I think the fairest, most transparent analogy is farmer's market produce, right? We're just creating agriculture. This is all that it is. It's a plant, right? We're, we're farming a plant, no different than if you're farming oranges, right? And, you know, like we all live in Southern California, like one of the best parts of Southern California is being able to go to a farmer's market and just buy this amazing fruit. It's so tasty. It's, it's, you know, it's awesome. And you meet the people that are there and they're proud of their work and it's a very authentic experience, right? And then you as the consumer, you, what you buy and your experience that you get out of that is incredible. And this is the exact same thing. And inevitably, there's certain costs associated with that. To produce high-quality flour, high-quality plants requires high-quality nutrients. It requires more people to work and manicure and tend to the plants. It's more labor-intensive. Everything that we do is hand-trimmed, hand-manicured, hand-deleafed. You know, that comes at a cost, right? And so, you know, the only thing I can say is if you truly care about what you put in your body, regardless of what that is, right, exercise, food, any of that stuff, meditation, then cannabis is no different, right? Then you should care about what kind of cannabis you put in your body. And for me, I want to know that I'm putting the cleanest cannabis, and I know I want to be buying cannabis from companies that are holding themselves accountable. And we are one of those companies, right? I'm not saying our way or our flower is the only way, but for those people who want to make that choice, we want to create an option. You are both such uh, studious, thoughtful people. What is your what does cutting loose look like for you? Like when does when is cannabis fun for you? I think you should start this one. I'm a new father, so I think that uh, my cutting loose involves the eight month old. Uh, oh, <laughs> oh, wow. So like cutting loose is like four a.m. I'm still awake. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, to that point, I didn't mean to interrupt, but uh, for me, at the end of the day. Uh, Rome's asleep and more and more as opposed to grabbing a bottle a glass of wine I'll roll a joint and I'll sit at, I'll sit at the house and that's where I get to have the time to really experiment and start to really appreciate the different flavors mm -hmm. and the different notes and that's something that I am trying to learn more and more as I get more experience within the industry and that is a quiet moment for me to sit on the couch, have a movie on, and you know, get something from our latest harvest and really appreciate it. And that's really cool to hear because I think one of the stigmas around cannabis is pot and parenting and that it you know, can actually make you a more present person to be available to your family when they need you as opposed to being, you know, finding that unwinding in alcohol. I think it's really important to talk about. That's a longer conversation between the, the benefits of... Yeah having a joint versus getting drunk mm -hmm. um, but that's a whole different time what does what does cutting loose look like yeah for what you? does cutting loose look like or what's what's fun about what uh, you do um i love cannabis in most everything when, <laughs> when i'm not at work so i like can i'm i'm an obsessive skier i like helicopter skiing Ooh. i like getting a little stoned and zipping around birds on venice beach yes 
Um, I love getting stoned and listening to some good music, right? I personally tend to like Deep House, Mm. so a good set Mm. like that, you know, Mm. all of those things I find super enjoyable. Or, you know, honestly, it's like, to Simone's point, we burn it on both ends. We travel so much. We work really hard. So just I'm fortunate that my wife enjoys cannabis as well. So just we have a little three-legged dog. So just getting stoned and hanging out together and with him and, you know, it's just, it's all fun. I think there's, there's so many ways to enjoy cannabis. And I think what we're doing is just curating a menu that then allows consumers to find the right strains and the right experience for what they want to do at that moment. Right. So yeah, it's varied. Before we wrap, can you just talk a little bit about the shop that you're opening? Yeah. So, um, we have uh we were fortunate to be awarded one of the few licenses in redding california um, we're currently building a forty thousand square foot uh indoor cultivation in redding as well um you know they're both set to open later this year it's going to be fully ground up state-of-the-art um, it's going to 3x our production um, and so we're going to have a flagship, a Golden State retail store, a truly unique experience, um, floor to ceiling glass, backing into the cultivation. So you can actually see as you're buying the product, what's happening um, in the cultivation. Cool. Um, and, cool. you know, you're going to get the very best strains, exotic, you know, limited edition drops, you know, two days after it's been trimmed, dried, cured, all of that on the shelves. Um, we're going to be working with a lot of high-end brands that we collaborate with. Um, so it's really going to be, you know, we're not focused on having a thousand SKUs, but we're focused on really having special SKUs. It'll be like visiting the Heineken Brewery where you can like look and see it all being made right yeah. there. That's so cool. Fuck, Will there be on-site consumption? Uh, as of now, no. Um, Reading hasn't passed anything with on-site consumption, but if they do, we'd be happy to have it. <laughs> <laughs> we'll be first in line. Yeah. Um, to finish out, uh, where can everybody find you? And also, what is the name of that dog? <laughs> uh, our dog's name is Bodhi, after a Bodhi tree, because he got hit by a car when we adopted him and he lost his leg. So we feel that, you know, you got a second chance at life. And he's a pretty happy three-legged dog. That's great. Um, and uh, and uh, in terms of where you can find us, we're currently sold at close to 55 different dispensaries throughout California. Everyone from MedMen, Urban Leaf, we're really excited to be working with now, Connected, Spark, uh, Berkeley Patients Group. And then on, on Instagram, on the World Wide Web and social yeah, media? Yeah, goldenstate.com, um, satyacap.com. And then Vantage Point Distro, if you're looking for products for your retail dispensary or, you know, SKUs or anything like that, we distribute, you know, a host of different brands. And if you could say uh, your wish for 2020, what would it be? Uh, continued success, continued happiness for what we're doing. Uh, I, I feel very, for me personally, 2018, 2019 have been great years. And we've been growing personally, we've been growing professionally. Uh, and we've been growing in, in, in all ways. Um, and I just can want that to continue for 2020. Uh, yeah, I think just, you know, continuing to doing what we're doing and expanding our product offerings. You know, we're working on our extracted line right now. We're working on some edible stuff, Sweet. you know, pre-roll joints. Um, you know, we're, we're pretty, we take our time in rolling out products because we want to do them right. And so I think that's really what I'm excited about, just getting the store open, getting more flour grown so we can get flour to more patients and then, you know, getting more products out there so people can 
appreciate the flower in a lot of different formats. This is and amazing. I, this is really cool. Can we come visit your uh, facility? Anytime. Anytime. Great. Open door. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm trying to reach a golden state. I think we all are. <laughs> yeah. We're all trying to reach a golden state. I think we can make that happen after this. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, thank you both. Thank you. No, thank, thank you so much. Really appreciate much. the time. Thank you. And if you want to find us, we are at Weed and Grub on Instagram, weedandgrub.com. Bye, everybody. Bye. Bye. Bye.